This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery, like McKenna, brings a top-tier lineup. With Leaf Davis-esque delivery right to your door, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. And you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only by app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hello and welcome to the Blue Monday podcast, covering Ipswich Town since 2015. I'm Richard Woodward and you are tuned into a special show looking into football insights, football analytics, whatever you want to call it, with someone on the inside, someone with the inside track. Ravi Mystery, how are you? Welcome to Blue Monday. Hello, yeah, great to be here. Great to be here. Doing well, thank you. Um, It's a slightly sunnier day than yesterday, so all good. I managed to avoid thunderstorms and torrential rain and all that fun stuff. Yeah, no, nothing here. Just steroiding rain yesterday, really. But um, yeah. not, no complaints from me. Good stuff. And um, we'll, we'll kind of pry a little bit into your professional life in a bit. But we're, we're, this is a topic that is, is always going to inspire a little bit of conversation. Um, sure. There are kind of people like me who are who kind of think they've got a little bit of an understanding and quite like statistics and quite like to see trends and quite like to test our understanding of um, what we're seeing with our eyes perhaps with some you know some metrics we're going to mm-hmm. be using these called kind of buzzwords so if this is not your kind of thing then maybe dial out now but if you're <laughs> if you're nerds like me and presumably Ravi as well um, then this is the show for you um, I kind of think this is like magic really because there are people who just want to be excited and mystified by the magician and there are people who want to understand how the trick is done and actually the art of doing the trick is sometimes better than trick itself is that kind of a fair analogy here am i maybe making it too elaborate no this is great i mean the the great thing about when you talk about analytics someone's it's it's easier that you get the conversation of football's not played on a spreadsheet or you don't look at you can't tell me the heart and the fire and the passion in a player by just looking at a number, which is true, 100% true. Football isn't played on spreadsheets, and it's it's one of these things where it's not an equation, right? Football isn't an equation to be solved. It's something where there is just a lot of chaos going on, and you're trying to make sense of the little pockets within it. Um, and that's where I see analytics as the really cool thing and the really interesting thing to me. 
um, for me, it gives you that objective view. So, for example, I really, obviously, I'm, I'm, don't, I'm not a massive fan of Norwich, but it takes a lot for me to think Wes Hulan is a good player, right? It, it, it's through gritted teeth, I'll tell you that. Now, as an objective opinion, if, if we as fans have biases, then, of course, people that work in football as well, scouts, managers, players, will all have their own biases as well and their own, we see a snapshot of what's going on through cameras, through our own eyes. But what data will give us is that objective opinion. Um, so in some ways, it's a bit magic. It's a bit black box. But um, there's some level of rigour that goes in behind it. Um, but, you know, just because I think that XG is a good, is a better measure of shot quality than um, just the number of shots you've taken in a match, doesn't mean I'm not yelling shoot when Kolsky gets, Kolsky's got the ball outside the box, right? Like, yeah, 30 yards I, out. I know there's a better pass and there's a better better move it until towards the towards the goal but i'm still i still want that thunder bastard right yeah and you know statistically kolskus has scored one goal in x number of appearances exactly. so the probability even if he was to shoot was to be low. i mean the other thing i guess we need to talk about and this kind of introduces quite neatly um your role and who mm -hmm. you work for which i'm sure you're going to give us a little tidbit about um yeah. is is this is a multi-million pound multi-billion 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 pound industry it is um yeah. where as you said the gut instinct and intuition kind of doesn't fly and anyone who's seen moneyball there's kind of that symptom there but football as much as it pains us as purists and people who love the game these are million pound transfers in certain circumstances certainly in the premier mm -hmm. league and you at the very least even at league one level with ipswich you know something like y scout is going to still have standard metrics that allow you to understand how effective someone is in the role mm -hmm. that they do and that could and then obviously the sophistication of that only increases so there's there's a recruitment angle but there's a performance angle i mean and and for, for me as well as i said and we'll come on to this we kind of did a poll um yeah last week and just to kind of test some thoughts about the kind of things that we've talked about on the podcast and certainly on Twitter and, and down the pub and what have you, mm -hmm. um, things that we've seen with our eyes that maybe we couldn't fathom in reality and whether that was something that is repeatable and that kind of stuff. So we'll come on to that quickly, Ravi, just tell us uh, about your role and, and, yeah. and what you do. Yeah, sure. So I'm it, the great thing about choosing your job title is you can make it as sound as fancy as you want. Right. So uh, my job title is senior football intelligence manager at the city football group. Right. Uh, what that really means is, so I work for the City Football Group, which is the parent ownership group of Manchester City, and then 10 slash 11 clubs around the world that we're um, partnered with or have an investment in. Um, the great thing about that is every day I'm not just focusing on one club and one team. I'm able to think about, well, you've got Manchester City, this big behemoth over here, but then you're thinking about Lamel, who in Belgium, or you're thinking about Yokohama in Japan. Um, Mumbai City uh, was one that I work with quite closely last season, which was great fun to be a part of that journey. And yeah, Russell Osman, he was big on, on, yeah, on the Indian League. So, yeah, kind of yeah exactly. that was exciting. New York is another one, is it? Is it New York? Yeah. New York, yeah. There's um, Trois in um, France, Girona in Spain, um, Montevideo in South America, Uruguay, and then uh, Bolivar as a partner club as well. Wow. Uh, and then Melbourne, of course, in, in Australia. So you're working across all these different teams and they've got different needs, right? Like, it's easy. It's almost easy inverted commas, to think who's the best player to sign for Man City or who are the academy players. 
But when you're thinking, right, who could fit as a nice jigsaw piece for Girona or what's the what's the best next move for Mumbai? It's a different piece of the puzzle. So my, my role is working with all those clubs and, as you said, the football performance, human performance, sports science, um, talent management, um, that, that side of things for sure. Um, but I also do the educational pieces for our practitioners. Um, so I'm enabling them to understand things that you know we're going to talk about in this in this show so they're understanding it better um so that we're able to have a positive impact on their performances cool. um so that, that's my day today it's, it's the dream job right like yeah it's a job that didn't exist 10 years ago um you know 10 years ago i was a football manager addict and it didn't really come into come into play in my mind that this could be a real job and since then i started blogging about ipswich um no, no one really blogs about ipswich right like you, you see a lot more analytics um, now than you did back in 13, 14, 14, 15, when I was sort of tapping away on my computer and sort of um, doing stuff in Excel and then found this thing called Tableau and sort of everything snowballed from there and got really good at just conveying insights and data to, to people, uh, mainly yep. business to start with, uh, before then, yeah, last year making the move into football. And I think we've, yeah, as you said, I think it's probably a good three or four Twitter accounts now dedicated to kind of putting it was just town stats and data and stuff like that out there but as you said i think i was you know we've known each other on twitter for a few years yeah. um steve as well um steve i've forgotten his surname blimey jackson, um, steve jackson yeah. so there have been always people out there and you know even statman i guess it's not kind of the kind of analytics the OG, stats, right? but it's, <laughs> it's 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 the it's the kind of old style traditional kind of rothman football year but kind of stats mm -hmm. about you know about historical trends which are almost just as important as the kind of real-time stuff that we're talking about it, it's a good point right and that's that's a great segue because it's it's really easy to think about the data revolution as quite a recent thing but that sort of i always think poo-poos on what a performance analyst a video analyst and sports scientists have done since the 90s you know we, we talk about mclaren and his work at prozone before he we went to united and th th just counting stats are still relevant within the same frame right because yeah. if you start off with just i'm watching the game then you say i'm able to watch 10 games at once because i can see the outcome and the goals as they go in then you're able to add in i don't know now i know how many shots people have or the number of passes like all of these are pointless without that context and what are you trying to do with them what, what are you trying to do with these numbers um so everyone that says it doesn't you know the only only stat that matters is the goals like well yeah but the entire purpose of this is to score goals and win matches, right? Like you're not looking at this to say, right, let's break the league one record for the number of passes in a possession, right? No one, no one does that. Like not, no professional. Well, maybe uh, thought about it, but yeah, maybe just between the back four though. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's very different from just what you, the applications and everything has to have a purpose ultimately. Yeah. And I think you mentioned this before where the sophistication goes down the pyramid a bit. It, it's certainly in English football and, that's probably down to investment, in my opinion. Um, but I've always said, get get a smart, motivated whiz who can use a laptop and can copy and paste a lot, and like or find relevant public data sources, or work with um, vendors like Wisecout or Insta or Opta um, or Statsbomb, and you'll get enough, right? Like you don't need much to be better than most of the other league teams in the league, yeah. as the lower way down. But as you move up, you need a bit more sophistication. You start looking in places that other people aren't um one of the early pieces i blogged about was actually why ipswich struggled to get loan players in and it's really simple it's just because it's far away right like <laughs> if, if you if you look at premier league teams or like championship teams that have got 
promising academies or youngsters that you might want to loan from, they're usually in the Midlands or the Northwest or the Northeast. So if you're telling one of these people, oh, come, come down to Ipswich and play, you're shopping in a different market, really. Um, How do you explain Billy Gilmore to Norwich then? <laughs> Presumably he could have had it. I guess he want there's so just to, we're going to have all of the, I need to be really careful at hosting this chat rather than just chatting with you. Uh, yeah. But I guess, so for that, in that context, big up and coming player um, probably could have picked most teams in the Premier League, possibly the championship, maybe the SPL mm-hmm. if he wanted to go back up North. Um, so what is the, what is the criteria there? Because geog- geography presumably might've been a factor. Norwich is even worse than Ipswich, I'd argue. Right. You have to be purposefully going to Norwich to get there rather than at least Ipswich you could be travelling through. Um, yeah, what, what end might end be the Norwich, right? Um, yeah. No, it, 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 the Billy Gill one's interesting, right? Because you're looking at a player who has played a fair number of minutes for Chelsea last season. Like he Maybe he's a bit part player, but he's, he's got a solid number of Premier League and even European minutes under his belt. And, and and if you're looking to say, right, let, let's see how this kid gets on and we want to develop further, you're looking for an environment that works for him. Um, and possibly Norwich were able to offer that, right? Like I've, I've met a few of the team at Norwich and they've got an annoyingly good setup over there. Um, so it's it's all of these things play into it. But, you know, Premier League status helps, right? Yep. Like being able to offer a system and that fits what Chelsea want to develop him for. Style of playing. Of Tuchel and, you know... Mates, yeah. isn't he, with um, Farker, probably, from there. Exactly. Days, so, yeah, we won't read too much into that. And um, it's also a nice way to get me back on track. So, yeah. right, hosting, hosting, good. Right, because um, one of the things that, I, that a lot of people have talked about, and we've had abuse for this, and I'm sure a lot of people have abuse on this, um, is XG and, and XA, mm-hmm. so we expected goals and expected assists. Um, this is possibly one where perhaps the perception is this is where stat um, data analytics is trying to make something um, that is intangible, tangible, but it's a subjective measure rather than an objective, like 95% of the other things that we will talk about. Ex- yeah. But giving just a personal view f- for one moment, if we take the 17-18 season, because we're going we're gonna to talk about this, There's, we might as well start now. Yeah, The 17-18 season was punctuated at the start of the campaign by a lot of set piece goals which are quite low xg because uh, as a very simple measure of, of an expected goal if you're stood on the six yard line in the middle of the goal you're yeah. more likely to score than if you're 25 yards out mm-hmm. on right on the touch line so mm-hmm. i don't think that as a fact is too disputable you know, there's always going to be the subjectiveness of it's this striker against this team. But ultimately, yeah. it boils down to a historical assessment of mm-hmm. if I plonk you in that position, what are the chances of you scoring a goal as opposed to somewhere else? That's pretty yeah. much it, isn't it? It's, it's Yeah, that's a rudimentary way of saying it. So I'll, I'll go on record. I hate the name expected goals because it almost yeah. gives you an indication that you should have scored. Right? Yes. Like, and... It's a chance quality measure, really, isn't it? Correct. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Ch- chance quality chance quality is a good way of putting it. Um, because really, it's just a better way of understanding shots. That's it, right? Like, if you're taking it to its blunt, blunt, bluntest level, you're not actually measuring how many goals you should have scored. You're saying between a shot and a goal, 
there's a lot of blurriness and expected goals, chance quality, whatever you want to call it, less blurs that less, right? So you're able to then say, if I add up all of the shots I had, I've had 20 shots in a game, but 20 shots in a game that are all outside the box will add up to roughly what, let's say, let's assume nine, 10 expected goals. That's quite high still. Um, but let's say you then take, you only have four shots, but they're all in the six yard box, as you say, straight in front of the goal. They're going to give you a higher number, right? So it, it just add that that's the subjectivity it really adds. Um, so you might end up with a thing where you've got what is a typical XG scoreline that you see those Twitter accounts put out 1.3 versus 0.7, but the real score was nil um, two. So, well, yeah, like random stuff happens. It's football. And this is why we love it. And this is why it's not going to like one number is going to change the, change the game. And one number isn't going to tell you that you're wrong down the pub because uh, yeah. expect a goals thing. And actually is not used necessarily for the, it's never a secondary narrative. Well, sorry, it's never the primary narr- narrative to the game. But we've all sat in games, nil-nil games, and come away thinking we should have won that. Yeah. And to me, XG is just is just making should that a little have? bit more yeah. tangible, isn't it? You know, so and so should have scored that one-on-one. We yeah. missed a penalty. You know, XG of point seven five or something is it for a penalty or something? Yeah, but it's, it's, again, if you take a penalty, you should score it out ten times roughly. That sort of thing, right? It's that's basically what XG is. Yeah. Um, but you, but you're spot on. It's 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 a narrative, and you know, there's even the argument amongst analytics circles that you shouldn't even use a like, single game XG because it doesn't tell you anything. What you want is a good enough sample size to say are we trending up or down. Um, basically, to say like, because th- the more you dig into this, more fa- flaws you find, right? Because yeah. if you then what about opposition quality? What about the opposition opposition setup? Because if you're taking a rudimentary shot from this location, where this is where the goal is, well, what about the fact that you're getting pressed hard by two attackers, two defenders on the on your left and the right, or the fact that there's a lot of distance, but there's also about six bodies in the way, right? All of this stuff is this is where you start adding, and you're like, well, it doesn't matter because what it should do is it's a finger 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 in the wind to tell you which way the wind the wind's blowing, right? Um, but ultimately, yeah, it's it's just another variable. Um, yeah. People put a lot of credence on something that comes from maths, I think. Yeah, and, and as I say, it's a nice kind of, there's kind of a sideways, you know, experimental 361s league tables, for example. You know, under Mick McCarthy, you know, yeah. we, need to, we need to chuck his name in there. You know, as, as I talked about before, the early start of the season when we were winning lots of games, um, I think there was a trend there of those set piece goals which were low XG. So mm-hmm. that's something that, if you're always going to get five set pieces, five ten set pieces, and if Martin Waghorn is always going to take them with bend and swerve and power, um, much to Dave Diamond's annoyance because he, he needs to get his iron, obviously, before he finds that perfect one, then that's fine. But is that a stable enough platform to build a championship season around? Probably not. What if Mar- yeah. Martin Waghorn gets injured? What if you don't win set pieces? What if teams get wise to you and they just back off and you haven't got a plan b so to me it was never it was never this is this is the story it's we're winning matches we're near the top of the league that's great will it last Mm, not sure and i think all it did was give a little bit of credence to those worries and as it turned out i know 
Paul Hurst <laughs> at eighteen nineteen is whole other story. Yeah, but it was our lowest league finish in some time, mm -hmm. and it suggested that all was not well there. And it, I mean, I mean, yeah, it played the, out, didn't it? The, there's other factors at play, right? You got to take into account the squad. You got to take into account the the, the system. You got to take into account that. There seems to be a timeline to Mick McCarthy teams, and if you don't get the right person next, it doesn't seem to work. Um, I was always a big fan of Mark Warburton or Nigel Pearson being the next man after um, after McCarthy left, purely because if you think, again, not with any data, just with the eye test, well, you don't want him to play long ball for all the time. You don't want to always go for the channels and win and score from set pieces. You should want to develop a counter-attacky and mixed phase of play, which is what Warburton and... Pearson's team seems to do right, and then you can dig into it a bit further and see see what um what's different. Um, but yeah, it's it's one of these weird ones where, I mean, if we, if we jump into seventeen eighteen now, um, one of the big the two big standout things there was Waghorn and Garner scoring a fair few goals in in their purple patches, and then nothing, um, and Bart being incredible, right? Like if we, if we take that into account. From both ends of the pitches, you quickly see why things are quite unsustainable. So I'm going to share my screen quickly, go through like just two or three quick things that I've put together. Sure. Um, doo -doo -doo. I'll just um, while you do that, I'll I'll do a bit of hypothesising on the other side. So Paul Lambert's tenure, particularly the last few months, was punctuated by very low xG games. Yeah. Do you think there's a case to be said there that he is he was trying to score the perfect goal? That he wanted his teams, or, or was it just we didn't create enough? Yeah, it's, it's that's a good segue because the this one here is what I'll start with. This is a app from a guy called Neil Charles. Um, it's the analyst league table. It's, it's open to everyone, so anyone watching can can play around with this as well. You can see Ipswich down here um, with one goal a game, one goal against per game over the season. Um, this is twenty twenty one, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Last season, uh, and what you notice is that the, the problem is. Like you're, you're scoring one goal a game, but you're also conceding like you're sort of conceding the same amount of shots as you are um, sh shooting yourself. And again, if you're watching the games, you know that this is happening, right? Like you know the fact that they're, they're still giving up, giving up a fair few shots and they're not scoring and or creating as many chances because you're trying to, as you say, split the difference a bit and, and chase a draw rather than going for, go for a full blown attack. Now, if we look at the championship for seventeen eighteen. Um, Ipswich were kind of weird, right? Because goals goals per game was quite low at the low end of the table, as we know. Goals against was, again, re relatively high. But the, the biggest one is shots Shots for was relegation levels. So what's uh, that number? It's quite small. So, what, what so was it's 10.2. Um, shots okay, per game. Shots per game, yeah. And then shots against, you're conceding the so most five. in the league. 15. Five more. Yeah. So the shot differential per game over a course of a season tells you that, well, the problem isn't that they're not scoring or having sustainable goals. It's, well, actually, Ipswich should be really a bit better. So I've, I've put that into more of a highlight chart here. And yeah, the, the, goal, the goal difference per game is about average. But the big problem here is the minus 5.7 shot differential, right? And the fact that while you're average at Converting your shots into goals, the biggest the biggest number here is the fact that Bart saved Ipswich that season. Realistically, yeah, player of the season, the defense was yeah. giving up so many shots. Um, 
Now, in, Which in is strange previous, for a Mick McCarthy team when you think about it. But. It is, exactly, because in previous seasons, there were two things that were really poignant. And I talked about this in 2015 when I wrote about Daryl Murphy leaving. The, the fact is that Murphy and McGoldrick were just absolute shot monsters. They just shoot a lot. And I was I basically tried to figure out what is Murphy good at and who would replace him. Again, I'll, I can share this these notes and anyone can read it afterwards. But um, it was always like you got Cameron Jerome, Troy Deeney, Jan Kermigan. And I, I basically said Brett Pittman or James Vaughan would be good good players to, to replace, which I was quite happy with when Pittman joined. On this one, I think the, the interesting thing was if we look at the shots that Ipswich took that year, you actually didn't see too many. If we look at this, there's quite a fair few outside the box. And what you really want is as many as possible, obviously, within within the two sticks to, to shoot. But ultimately, you're ending up with the open play shots being quite far out or you know, take, yeah. taking a lot of pot shots. Which there's don't quite end up a doing... cluster around about 30 yards out in the middle, isn't there? Yeah, and, and this could be because of defences with a low block or like just rushing a shot when you don't you didn't need to, right? Um, or you were shouting, shoot at Cole Sue's. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Is he the only, I could, you were masking over and the names came up. I didn't see Scoos, but... Yeah. Um, so the, the other one was, uh, I just wanted to quickly show Waghorn and um, Ghana. Um the, again, those two were really good at the start of the season. But what, if you're if you're a coach, what you could end up doing is sitting with the player and be like, "This is what you did early early in the season. You're getting in these areas, and as we know, that guy is quite a good header of the ball. Mm-hmm. Like if he's not getting service, he can't put his head on it. So again, going going back to one of the things that I think was mentioned on on the Twitter threads, these don't, these things don't really work unless you have the personnel to pull them off, right? And and, and the difference between Waghorn and Garner here is Waghorn's taking a lot of these shots, which some of them might be free kicks where he's getting his eye in. Yeah. But realistically, still scoring in similar positions to where Garner is. Um, so this is where you end up with the, um, as, as they call it, XG merchants coming in and saying, "We'll just shoot from inside the box, right?" Um, but yeah, it's 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 an interesting one when you start digging into it a bit more. Um, but yeah. Blue Monday are delighted to be partnered with TalkSport Fan Network and NordVPN, giving you the best possible offering for browsing the internet securely. NordVPN opens up global streaming options for content not available in your region by switching your virtual location quicker than Wesburn's running down the wing. NordVPN acts like your cyber Sam Morsey whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like passwords and credit card details from falling into the wrong hands. For about the price of an ITFC match program a month or a Blue Monday Telegram subscription, you can get yourself a NordVPN account which can be used across six different devices. If you need to rapidly change direction like Amari Hutchinson, there's a 30-day money-back guarantee. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Blue Monday or click the link in the podcast or YouTube subscription to be taken straight there, supporting us here at Blue Monday in the process. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like home comforts. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. 
Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club. Because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Well, the, and the thing that we were... So, uh, oh, I could look at that stuff all day. Yeah, <laughs> it's you... open source, did you say? Or, sorry, it's yeah, freely yeah. available. So we'll, we'll put some links out and we'll obviously share your blog as well. You can see with the benefit of hindsight whether Ravi's predictions or or his demands were um, were sensible or not the key topic though and it's a really neat kind of continuation on set pieces given we talked about waghorn and how dangerous he was from them in that season is is since then you know even the 14-15 season was um was definitely a pretty prolific season for Christoph Berra and Tommy Smith mm-hmm. on the end of corners, particularly. And for some reason, towards the latter end of the Mick era, but certainly throughout Hurst and Lambert, um, the goals from set pieces dried up. And even I think Paul Cook was bemoaning it. What can we can what can we glean from that? Because we presumably were still sending centre backs forwards, yep. which is nice and simple. Mick loved an outswinger, which I read in, it might have been Soconomics <laughs> or something. Outswinging yeah. corners are, are favoured by managers who used to play and once got on the end of an outswinging corner and leathered a header in from, you know, and yeah, it's generally camera quality goals. What can you tell us about the last few years and the goals drying up from set pieces, Ravi? Set pieces are a fun one because if, if you compare, again, if we use the M word and talk about Moneyball, the entire premise of Moneyball and why it's, it's sort of preluded never to be able to work in football or basketball or hockey, which are invasion sports, as they call it, right? The reason it doesn't work is because in in basketball, you've got repeated events, right? Like, it's the same thing. It's a throw and a hit, throw and a hit, throw and a hit. And strategies come into it in a different way. Now, the interesting thing is, if you look at football, the only things that are really repeatable are throw-ins, kickoffs, goal kicks, corners, right? Like, things where the ball is stopped, and you're able to set something up. Which yes. Is where, which is where, you know, you, you've got the Brentfords where they're talking about their set-piece strategy and all this stuff when they won the league with Mitchelland as part of that multi-club group. So what's interesting is, yes, you can do a lot of set-pieces, and there's so much science and so many people are analysing them these days. But the problem which you've had is, again, really simple. There's not really a good crosser of the ball. Like Guion Edwards, maybe if he can clear the first man or if he doesn't put it out for a corner. Um, but yeah, you've not, you've not had the Cresswells, the Waghorns, the Andersons. I think Anderson is what well, he was one of my favorite players when he was here purely because a he ran a lot and I hundred percent rate wingers that get back and defend and B he had such a peach of a right foot. You could always get it in or like he was able to spot a pass um, as well as be pretty good at dead ball situations. So it's it's always and again Knutson is another one right like vilified for all his defensive issues and yeah the long throw never did really did much but he, he was a fairly good crosser of the ball and he always put it into the box for again fourteen fifteen Murphy um, even the second balls that came off from corners um, for for Murphy in in, in the for Berra even in that same season so it like and also like 
the second thing is it's hard to score from corners, right? Like if it was easy, everyone would do it because it's such an obvious thing. Like if you're getting five or six corners a game, that's fine. But how do you how do you go from fourteen fifteen where Tommy Smith got eight eight or nine goals possibly? Um, maybe yeah. not all from corners to 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 nothing. You know, pretty much nothing. I I can remember a Chambers header from a corner last season, perhaps and. Maybe yeah, I think that was even Chambers kicked it right. That might have been that sweet half volley that he hit. But um, yeah, it's an interesting one, and I don't, I don't think I've got a clear answer on it. But apart from crosses are better, opposition get wise to it. I think when when you look at set piece goals, it's always like, do do they did they score from set pieces last season? Is is probably a common question in performance analysis departments. And if it's yes, it's like cool, we'll stop and doing this in this match. And if if every team starts doing that, it gets harder. But Again, it's one of these things where you end up having to reinvent what we're doing at set pieces. And again, yeah, set pieces are hard. It's hard to head a football. I think that's what I'm always impressed by, like players that can always continually head a football. Lots it's, of it's so angles impressive. and, you know, happenstance really, isn't it? Because I guess what, you're, what I'm taking from your point is there's a bit of chaos when it comes to a set piece. And potentially what we had in 14-15 was, A, a good delivery, which I don't think, I think that's number one, your first point. But number two, perhaps there's an aggression and, and and a willingness to actually try to get hurt and get on the end of it. With someone like Tommy Smith and Crystal Berra, who I think were a gum, gum shield, they're willing yeah. to chuck themselves in there because, you know, to borrow a Ted Lassoism, you know, rain down with chaos, the rain chaos hammer, chaos. just, you know send in the six footers and scare the crap out of everyone and, and maybe that's how it, maybe that's it yeah and, and again this is something that analysts doesn't measure right like aggression like that team in 14 15 was full full of just scrappers like jay tab was in there you had taro mings like big big fellas your, your back four was mings not jay tab obviously but yeah, yeah right the <laughs> <laughs> back four of mings Berra, Smith and Chambers. Like, that's a big back line. And that is a lot of presence in the box alongside Murphy. And yet, Tab, is, Tab to be fair to him, has a, had a pretty big leap on him. But yeah, yeah like just league. proper scrappers. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. And maybe Wolfen and Enciala. That wasn't their, their game, you know? I, and, and I think that that's, that's an indication of sort of where the game slightly, slightly starting to change. You're getting a lot more ball playing centre backs than you are like the tough boys. Um, so, yeah, maybe that'll and change. Webster the... didn't score many, did he? Sorry to jump in. No, Webster but didn't score. Webster didn't score many, but again, he was his distribution was incredible. Like, he, he was so good on the ball. And it's this development where the more you start playing out from the back, the more you're wanting that sort of player rather than a Ashley Williams who will just hoof it as long as he possibly can when a ball comes near it. That's so. an interesting insight. So, potentially, our conclusion is... That Smith and Berra were a little bit of a throwback under maybe a little bit of an old school manager. And Alan, we had Alan Lee on, and he was talking about mm. the evolution post McCarthy, even with McCarthy trying to play out from the back and how that was a little bit foolhardy. But actually, interesting that the consequences, there's a lack of potency in the dead ball situations at the other end of the field when you rely on the centre backs. It's interesting. Again, if, if you look at a pro, again, if you break this down probabilistically, a cross doesn't give you as many shot opportunities as a pass because with the shot, it's high and it's easy for a keeper to catch or something like that. But uh, a cutback or a pass, you can generate more power to shoot, right? Again, all of these things factor into 
maybe it's just people don't want to cross anymore and you're seeing crosses go down um, so what sorry just to jump in there because the clubs we started taking short corners didn't we yeah. is that why i'm not sure but again it, it wouldn't it would wouldn't surprise me because again there was this theory that went around a few years ago that short corners are better because you retain possession more yeah right and it's like well yeah but they rarely lead to a goal so if you just want to continue where you left off leave your center backs behind and start from a corner sure just do a kick in basically um but don't bring your center backs forward if you're not going to put it into the mixer <laughs> um yeah. which, which again makes me sound completely archaic and against like everything that analytics in, in theory stands for but th- there is value in having a mixed attack there is value in trying different things when you're trying to trying to score a goal and sometimes if you cross it into the box it goes behind and you're 2-0 up great they have to reset and find the, the opposition for reset goalkeeper sets himself for a goal kick everyone pushes back out center backs go back and you've got a bit more time in that plus two game state so gotta be watching ted lasso i'm gonna keep saying it <laughs> midnight poutine a bit of loki's toboggan you know, that's rain, rain down chaos. Um, that's great stuff. I, we need to be really careful. We could go on all night, and and I'm and I've spoken far too much as well. Um, the great thing about doing that poll, thank you for for all the votes on that. And we've even dealt with seventeen, eighteen, and XG anyway. So I've kind of flying agendas, whatever I wanted to be at this point. But we have had plenty of um, just replies and other mm-hmm. thoughts. So I thought we'd go through those as well. If that's all right. Yeah, um, sure. So where do we start? So um, Dav Blue, um, where do you see data analysis going in the future? We we joked about this before on Skynet. <laughs> Skynet, yeah. Skynet, Minority Report. Um, so, so some of my real answers here would be redacted because um, obviously that's what we're striving to do as the City Football Group. Um, but in reality, there's so much that you're still not getting from the data that's already provided and there's still so much you can gain and but again, if you look at the top of the pyramid, you've got all, like you've got Liverpool, you've got City, you've got other other clubs like doing more with analytics. But the lower down you go, the less sophisticated it has to be, and the more gains you can you can find. Um, especially when you look at league effects and team effects and different levers that people are pulling. Right again, if you look at the stuff that people are doing in, in the Ipswich analytics sphere, looking at squad profiles and how how would a player fit in, how's this composition changed. All that's basic stuff. And again, just showing people that information allows them to ask better questions. And for me, that's just not not just a football thing, but a data analytics thing. I'm a big purveyor of data literacy and how everyone should get some level of data literacy to be more inquisitive. Like there was always the joke of the only time people are quite like actively critically thinking is April Fool day, Fool's Day when they're finding out if something's real or not. So <laughs> I've been conned. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Whereas, you know, if you apply that to your day-to-day or even like in my previous life in business intelligence, what you end up doing is finding and helping people ask better questions. Um, So I think there's loads of, for want of a better phrase, low-hanging fruit um, that that you can already get. Um, The forefront, of course, depends on what, what you can get out of the intangibles, right? Like the things I talked about around, you know, head and heart and intensity and things like this, so... Yeah, and how you build that as a metric for player recruitment is going to be that's yeah that's an interesting one. And uh, is there something to be said for particularly at League One level and maybe and, and maybe League Two as well, maybe even Championship is recognizing there's a benefit there, recognizing there is a lot of data that is out there without you needing to 
yeah. prospect it yourself. But just having enough people with the time to be able to do it. A part-time data analyst to me is is someone you're relying on to be doing it when they're not doing it as part of their job. It's, it's kind of a hobbyist as well as a... You need people who, A, know what they're doing, but have the time because there's so much data out there, isn't there? And it's it's the filter that's the important thing. The, the filter and the translation, right? Like, again, it's it's one of these things where you, you don't end up solving problems unless you know what you're trying to solve, right? Like, yeah. it's great to be like, well, actually, um, if you hit the penalty down the middle, it's 50% chance of going in. It's like, well, yeah, but you're not going to do that because not every, every time the keeper doesn't move, right? Like, they're waiting for you to dive. If you're Jorginho, you're going to wait till until he's waiting for the keeper to move before he puts it down the middle or goes to the right. So it's one of these things where you, you end up like, yeah, I can tell you, I can tell you a stat. I can tell you something somewhat interesting. But if it doesn't matter, then don't bother. Um, so ask the right question. Ask the right question. Give enough people the tools to be able to give you the answer. Yeah. Um, and uh, this is a, you know, I'll read this out because I need to show deference to everyone who's interacted with us. And thank you, Luke, um, for your tweet. Watch football with your eyes, not through an Excel spreadsheet. We've got to dealt with that at the start. Yes, we waste set pieces, but that's because yeah. we've not had a good set piece taken for a few years. And to be fair, that's exactly what we just said, haven't we? And we didn't need yeah. a spreadsheet to be able to do that. So I think, as we've been saying throughout the show, time and place, and as you're saying, context, and use it for the right purposes, not just for the sake of it. Oh, we need yeah. to do a Brentford, and we need to do a Moneyball. Um, next up, um, Steve, we've talked about Steve already. I'm hoping he's putting you under pressure here. Let's find out. Um, he's looking forward to this one. So hopefully, Steve, we've delivered. Um, I'd be interested in your thoughts on whether ITFC had any data analysis capability prior to the current regime and how they can now excel in this area at a time when every club seems to be building analytics capability. Yeah, I mean, as I said before, like I feel like League One is quite a greenfield site. Like, there's a few people doing it, but it doesn't seem like there's everyone. COVID's been interesting. Like Over the last 12 months, I've seen a lot of job vacancies come out um, since football stopped, right? It's almost like everyone stopped. It's like, wait, should we be doing something where we don't need to go to games to get some insight, right? Like all of these things are happening and sort of as, as a concertina effect. Uh, did Town do anything before? Not, not 100% sure on that one. Um, but again, if there's a sports scientist and a performance analyst, they've probably been doing something. But again, sophistication is what you make of it. And a lot of that comes from investment as well. Uh, any thoughts on the new owners? Because it feels like they've, they're trying to do a similar model to City Group, aren't they? Chat about an A-League club. They've obviously got um, Danish League club. They've got um, Phoenix and all that stuff. Is, is this another City Group in the making? And potentially, is there a point where we need to, you know, we need to get some guy in from City Group who knows what he's doing. Is this like the perfect job for you? Um, not going to comment on the job part, but it, it's an exciting time, right? Because when the new owners came in and sort of start spotting these synergies, it's like, hey, that is quite interesting. And I'm, I'm always cautious whenever any takeover happens. Um, it all sounds very optimistic and I'm really looking forward to not just the investments in, in, in Ipswich and the sort of changes they're making already, but for me, the biggest thing is the investments in the um, Ipswich Town women and sort of bringing that closer together, like having the first professional club and the promotion. And, you know, you talked about in the recent podcast, uh, which is great speaking about sort of Joe and, um, yeah, for, for me, the women's game is, again, another greenfield site where there's so much you can do because it's unexplored. I mean, women's football was banned 
by the FA for 50 what? years. Was that an exclusive <laughs> yeah. for this podcast? <laughs> yeah, so it, it, I think it was after a Boxing Day match where Everton play Liverpool and it had more attend- – the attendance was higher uh, in this women's game than for the men's. Um, so I don't know what happened between then, but um, it was ruled by the FA to be not – what's the word? Um, appropriate for women to play yeah. football, yeah, not fitting. And then in the 1970s, it sort of came back. Um, so it's, it's, always, it's always fun to see people talk about the quality of women's football as if it's had the same run-up run as, as men's. But it, it's great to see such investment going into the women's game. And again, representation matters and all of these different things that we talk about because pushing forward and you know get, getting them to have some games at Portland Road, the double-headers they're doing, it's all really positive stuff because it grows the investment, means that they're able to continue the momentum they've had over the few years. But no, I'm, I'm really, really excited to see what the group means to Ipswich um, because ultimately, yeah, the, 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 it will live in, like, the project will live and die on the investment, the structure they're putting in. And I think, again, you guys alluded to this, like it doesn't seem like there, was, there, there were a lot of people doing multiple roles. Um, so putting people to dedicate to those specific roles is is only a positive thing in my eyes. Have you done any um, coverage for the City women's team, by the way? Because there's some, you know, that is top echelons of, certainly in England. Uh, it's is, that, is that covered by your by your remit as well? Yeah, so uh, City City Football Group have, have been massive purveyors of an investment in the women's game, like Melbourne City women, um, Man City women, making, making putting those things together. I think all, all of the news for Man City women and men goes through the main Twitter account with all the followers and then the Man City women account is only used for um, match day so the play by play will be done yeah play by play is done in in the on the for the men's team and the men's first team on the main account and then the women's on the match day account uh, but every every other news story comes through the uh, main account as well so yeah the, the, again it's, it's been a big big push from the ownership group to to be supporters of the women's game and I mean it shows right because you've got the uh, Great Britain team and what is it, seven or eight players from Man City? So, yeah. Yep. Ellen White doing what she does. Yeah. Doing what she does. Um, and um, thank you for mention for our podcast with Sophie Peskett and Kieran Stanley. Always available on the usual places on YouTube and uh, on the podcast feed. I'd hardly, hardly recommend it. So, um, thank you for that, Ravi. Um, Yane's asked us um, about Hurst and Lambert, the regression to overachieving McCarthy. I think we've probably dealt with that. Yeah. Um, well, Airy, interesting in set pieces. Remember reading Soconomics, it said around 3% of corners ended in goals. It feels like or even less than that. Yeah, most teams are, right? Like, again, you can probably put some numbers on this in a more accurate way, but what you're really looking at is a league average and how many goals would you expect to score in League One from set pieces and then against teams that are better at dealing with set pieces than others. And a lot of this you can't tell from the data and just a number. Uh, you need to watch the video and look at the fact that they've got a massive six foot seven centre back <laughs> who just clears everything or, you know, in, in, our, in our world, it should be a seven foot one goalkeeper that just catches everything that comes in the air, but. They don't grow on trees. They That's don't grow basketball trees. players come back. Um, <laughs> Joe from our pod team, um, interested to know the effect of Brexit on recruitment. Um, and he's asked about the multi-club models. I think we've dealt with that. I, I knew someone asked about that. I did a bit of a scroll and couldn't find it. So I think we've done, dealt with that, Joe. But yeah, thoughts on Brexit and recruitment and opportunities yeah. or threats? Yeah, and it's, it's, it's again, 
without giving too much away, it's the, the the Brexit the Brexit rules are sort of in flux a bit. I think uh, I've not been too, paying too much attention to it or followed too closely, but there will be definitely effects, right? Like I think Joe mentioned the the effect with the the regulations and um, in in previous part about you know the regulations of Van Dyke when it made it to Scotland and things like this. It's like well, yeah, stuff like that's going to happen. Um, yeah, it, it, it's 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 quite early days on that. That's the interesting thing, right? Because there will be exceptions and there will be different cap regulations. There was a story, I think, of Daryl Dyke. Daryl Dyke for US USA played 20 minutes against Trinidad in January, about three or four hours before he signed for Barnsley on loan. And he wouldn't be able to get the permit unless he came on and played those minutes. Wow. Or something remarkable like that. Um I read online so and people know lawyers know about this kind of stuff as well and I don't <laughs> so in the gray you gotta go you gotta read the contracts yeah um so but yeah it's still a bit more progress to be made there um or yeah. progress isn't the word understanding i'd say yes it doesn't, see where it doesn't feel like progress um graham safari um what do we mean by worked passages of play we've been told by fans we have no set plays in terms of when players are live or is it more we haven't got the technically gifted players to act more on instinct? Are we too methodical and predictable? Um, start with the worked passages of play. You kind of these token phrases, which probably mean yeah. the same things as stuff we've seen for the last 60, 70 years. But yeah, any thoughts on that? This is probably like a football thing, right? Where you talk about phases, and it's, it's, whenever someone mentions phases, you know, I always say, well, when does a phase start? Like kickoff. Like, is that the start of the first phase? And then when do you say the phase changes? Is it when you recycle possession and all of these different things? And I'm, I'm always wary about, well, what do you mean by a passage of play? And really what you mean is where you can think of, well, we got the ball back and now we've held the ball for a while and we're not doing anything with it. And we're just holding onto it and working into a good position. And some of that is you're not moving. The players aren't getting on the pitch and you're trying to find the right moment to attack, um, which is why it's mesmerizing to watch Pep City but also quite boring sometimes. Like you're just waiting for something to happen. Yeah. Um, they're, they're 15 minutes long. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So it's, it's sort of like when, when you talk about passage of play, it really depends what you really mean. But um, m- most of the time it's segmenting a match into phases of player and saying, this is an attacking phase or a possession phase. Um, and b- being better at that means just doing more with the ball or having a bit more purpose. Um, I mean, if, yeah. Again, if, fa- if fans control the players, you just attack every minute. So, Yeah, which is difficult to sustain for 90 minutes with only three subs. Um, Jordan McCarthy, um, is there a gold standard in XG models which everyone uses, um, or would there be discrepancies between the models used between, between analysts? If so, where would these come about? I'm guessing the values assigned to chances. Great, Yeah, great question. Uh, and it's a good one because there's just different models that take into account different things and put different weightings. So like, for example, you'd have a, a ch- like something that takes into account whether it's a headed shot or just says the X, Y position's here and you take a shot. And then it's compared to every other shot that's been taken from this similar distance in the probability, right? Or you can say it was a headed shot and head is obviously harder to score. So then that has a lower probability but then it's a headed shot from a cross or a corner or what was the situation? Was it one-on-one? So you can start layering more and more into this until you get, like basically make yourself giddy. But um, least, yeah. Exactly. But uh, so, so the gold standard, I mean, opt to have their own stats, will have their own 
Um, you'll see Instat, Widescout all have their own different expected goals models. Um, is there a gold standard? Again, Optus was the first, was it? Um, where does expected goals come from? Sam Green was Opta, yeah. So he, he sort of he, he was Opta for a bit, then went to Villa. I don't know what he's doing now. Um, but yeah, Opta did it. Opta sort of did the first methodology and idea behind it and it sort of developed and warped and people have found the issues with it and tried to enhance it best they can since. But again, it depends on what you're trying to do. Uh, and as I said, it's not a single game metric. It's, it's I was going to say, what's, what would your ideal history, your sample size be for an XG that's worth its salt? It, 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 again, it depends what you're looking at. So if you're looking at trying to find out if a player is just not get like Ben Teke, is heralded as the most unlucky finisher in the world because over the last three seasons, I've watched him. Villa. Great positions he takes up, just does can't finish his dinner, and it's like right, he's massively underperforming his xG every season. And again, you can either look at a thirty-eight game season, you can look at a ten-game rolling, three-game rolling, seven-game rolling, whatever you want. Um, and usually, what happens is these are tweaked and fit a narrative. So if you're trying to say that since this point. And this point, this is the time section I'm looking at. I'm going to look at this over a period of seven games rolling or three games rolling. Because, um, of course, it depends on whether the player played and how many minutes they played and did they even get a chance? Did they get a sniff? Um, yeah. So, again, it really depends on the time frame you're looking at and the context around the questions you're asking. And there's always other stats you can chuck in when you're Boy. talking about players, like the fact that Bentec is typically, and for one season, certainly the most offside player in the whole division. Yeah. And that tells me about his ability. Anyway, Benteke is the one for another day. I've, uh, yeah, I said, frustrating player because you could get the sense. Bags that, of ability. Yeah, he's got, the, he's got the natural physical attributes, hasn't he? But I'm not sure. Yeah, he's not got the game brain. Um, Joe's added another one in. Joe's super interested in this stuff and obviously football manager, um, scout yeah. and all that kind of stuff. So he loves this stuff. Um, we've, we talked about this a little bit. Any other thoughts on Lambert's style of play last year? Possession heavy, but lacking box entries, Joe says. Any, any thoughts yeah. on that? Yeah, box entries is a, is a good way to put it. I feel like Lambert was very emphasis, had a high emphasis on wing play, right? Like playing down the wings, moving in and out, in and out to zigzag down into the box. But the real problem was there was rarely someone willing to pick up the ball. Like we, what we expected Judge to be when he signed was this con- great connector who can play across the, the, the front three but also between the midfield and attack and just legs weren't there, right? Like he just wasn't getting, making those runs. He wasn't get, getting those chances inside the box. And and he's another one, right? We expected better set pieces from, um, I think box entries was a big thing last year. Like you can't complain about lack of chances. If you're not actually creating too many and you, the shots you're taking are from just outside the box or you're, you're putting a speculative cross in just almost for the sake for the of fans. doing it, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Like just to say, well, I can't do anything, so I may as well put in the mixer and then hope someone speeds in and, or it goes in off a defender. Home um, goal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, which again, it's not a bad strategy if it's it works. Shrewsbury got an equaliser at home against them for that, I think. Yeah. Right. So you you end up, yeah, you can you can you can make some giddy with talking about this stuff, but it really is it's just about purposeful possession, and I think Ipswich have lacked that for a while. Um, since, since again, late, late Mick. Fall of Hurst, and yeah, pr- probably a lot of Lambert as well, because Lambert was again r- running quite high on. It looked good, 
and he was holding on to the ball, but then you realize, well, we're not doing much with the ball. Like, and that's okay when you're trying to hold it and recycle and maintain, but when you're then trying to get inside the box and develop further, it doesn't really work. Mm. It'll be interesting to see Cook's style of play with the players, presumably, that he wants and how that's changed. Certainly Saturday, a lot more use of um, early balls into the likes of Piggott, which um, might be a good tactic at League One level. But um, yeah. yeah, fascinating stuff, Ravi. Thank you so much for that. That's all the all the questions we've had. Is there anything that we've not had a chance to speak about yet that you want to chuck in there? Or should we save some stuff up in case, if, if there's a feeling that people want to hear more from Ravi, and I this could have been a three-hour epic, um, but maybe we'll spread it out across the season. But anything you want to chip in before we um, do some goodbyes? Uh, no, no, yeah, all good. Uh, thanks for having me on. It's it's always fun to chat about this stuff. Um, it's something that I've been a big fan of for a, for a number of years and, like I said, lucky enough to turn into a career. But um, there's, I think the, the only thing I'd say is there's always space for more people to get into this. So if anyone is watching be like, sounds quite fun and quite interesting. I think my, my biggest thing to anyone that's interested in analytics is start writing, start building. Um, there's there's loads and loads of publicly available data sources nowadays that you can just start finding insight about. And, you know, when, when I'm when I'm thinking about who, who are the next people that we'd want in our team or, you know, that could work for within professional football, it's always show me what you know and show me how you'd apply it and translate it. So I think yeah. that's, that's the Braveheart message I'd send at the end of this. Um, yeah, um, yeah. It's, it's uh, you know, I've I do, I have a job outside podcasting. Can you believe it? Um, and the, I think there's maybe this perception that people get lucky breaks, I, and I don't think such a thing. You and definitely the cliche is right. You make your own luck mm-hmm. if you are passionate about something and you're willing to do it as a hobby and put the graft in and do a blog or create a model and share it. Yeah. Um, you'll be surprised how as soon as you put that out into the world um, that people gravitate towards it and help you make it better but also see what you're doing and yeah. might give you op- opportunities so I can only endorse that message where can we um, where can we find you on Twitter Ravi? Uh, so I'm at scribbler42 uh, underscore 42 I should say long story um, there's no so vowels in that. scribbler either is it S, it's no S- I yeah scribbler with no E um, yeah so um again no I, I can't remember well I, I can remember this is a weird weird story about how i got there but um yeah so i've had that an account for a few years now uh scribbler 42 um i've then got a link on that to go to the blogs and Brilliant. my tableau public profile from there uh, and nice i'll well, well, you in the i think we added you in the poll at you in the tweets when we put this out as well so you can find ravi there um and any predictions for the season ahead for Ipswich without with either your analytics hat or just your support hat on. Hundred goals, hundred points, right? Um HMS Pistol League, yeah. HMS Pistol League. Yeah, yeah, I think I think it'll be a good year. I think I'm I'm very optimistic. Um the thing is I I'm optimistic, but also the target is playoffs, right? Uh this is a brand new squad, uh basically. Um who some of whom have played the style of football cook once. But yeah, brand new squads, new systems, new styles. Anything in Amber. But yeah, 100% HRS Pistol League. <laughs> Love it. Let's end, let's end with that. Ravi, thank you so much. Um, just a couple of bits and pieces of plugs from me. If you're watching us on the YouTube, you can see where you can find us there. Um, we're in the usual places. Um, just to um, give you a heads up towards um, a possible live show this week after Colchester. We're 
still need to confirm that but the flagship show will be should be back um and you can still find we mentioned um our interviews with um itfc women and um the flagship from this past weekend with me seb and joe which definitely worth a look also if you're interested too um as you're all aware um we um this you, you will have accessed this um without the need of a subscription and we very much um will continue that as long as we can keep doing the podcast. Um, but if you do want to support us to keep doing more, um, if you feel like um, that would be something um, that you'd like to do, um, then um, there's lots of ways to do that. We put a couple there. We've now got um, PayPal. You can do that and make it monthly if you like, or use the ACAST donation feature. Or jump on a live chat um, when we're doing a YouTube broadcast, a live one, and just um, send us something via Super Chat. So very much appreciated really grateful for the folks who've done that already just keeps us going and um, make sure we cover our costs and make sure we can do more exciting things like speaking to educated sensible people like ravi so um thank you for those um donations so far and um looking forward to the big season and ravi um i'll let you say i have the final word in a second but um maybe we'll come back as well at some point during the season and just do a check-in as well but let me um hand over to you to say goodbye no, yeah, like like I said, thanks for having me on. It's been a pleasure, and um, yeah, keep keep it up. It's always, it's always fun to check in with Blue Monday. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the promotion running. Everyone is gathered round to watch. The McNuggets share boxes are there offering much needed distraction. Your mate's already been booked for double dipping, but in you swoop to steal the last nuggets and claim all three points. Oh, and there is the Harry Clark fist pump to celebrate. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in at participating restaurants. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.